Coming up on today's show. I quit playing guitar three times as a teenager and in my 20s because I sucked. And I couldn't, I didn't understand that you need to just keep playing and keep playing and keep playing, even though you suck. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you're welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Honestly, though, I really should be playing the song Call Me by Blondie right now because as much as you are certainly welcome to email or DM me, I'd love to actually talk with you by phone. I will tell you specifically how you can do that coming up. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the greater Los Angeles area, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who is also part of an all-female Aerosmith tribute band. She has toured Australia, Japan, and beyond and has gotten accolades from the likes of Guitar Player Magazine, American Songwriter Magazine, Guitar World, and Vintage Guitar Magazine. She is having success with both video and audio streaming to the tune of over 1.2 million video views on her YouTube channel, and more than 13,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Plus, her songs have been featured in numerous films and hit TV shows. In addition, one of her albums charted on Billboard. She is also a published author and has even done backing vocals for Neil Young and was a featured singer for Paul Williams. She submitted to the Tiny Desk Contest earlier this year and has a new album coming in the fall. You've been hearing a song of hers called Brave, Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Allie Handel. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. Thanks so much for making time to talk with me today. For the audience's benefit, Allie and I had been scheduled to record this in person last month when we were both at the NAMM show in Anaheim, California. But even though it did not take place there after, I'm really glad to still be able to get to talk with her today and wrap up this sort of NAMM series of NHTE episodes, what with the previous four episodes of this show all having been recorded while I was out west at that event. Allie, before we dive into the various facets of your career, share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Brave. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I wrote the song with one of my very favorite co-writers. Her name is Patricia Bahia. And um, gosh, I, I feel like the lyrics are pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> but you know, when I play it live, I dedicate it to particularly musicians, you know, but when I was at the NAMM show, um, I did play that song and um, I did dedicate it to everyone in my own band as well as everybody who was there because you really have to be brave to be making a life in music, you know, or even just to perform, even if it's not your livelihood. You know, it just, it just takes a lot as anybody, I'm sure, you know, and from just, you know, your experiences and talking to all the people you talk to, man, it's not easy. 
Okay, but since I was talking over it and the audience couldn't hear the lyrics, just kind of dive a little bit further into Brave. Sure. Was it written specifically with performers in mind or just kind of take us inside that song that you and your co-writer did? Yeah, really, it was not necessarily written just just for creative types, but for, for everybody. I mean, I, you know, as I kind of go further along in my career and as – you know, the years pass, I do realize, you know, just with all the challenges of life that you got to be brave no matter what you're doing, you know, and it just takes a lot of chutzpah to kind of go from challenge to challenge without becoming bitter, you know, over the years, which I have seen and I really resist mm. in every way I possibly can. And um, I like to try at least, you know, a little bit to in- encourage people to, you know, just do whatever they can to be healthy and be happy. Um, Cause I know just from my own experience, it's not easy. Was there by chance any kind of significant moment that might've spurred on the creation of that song? Was there some point that you got to where you kind of made that realization and got this idea about bravery or was it just kind of a recurring theme and you thought it's about time that I write a song about it? Yeah, more the latter is more of a recurring theme. And something that I was just talking about with Patricia and, you know, that we were like, yeah, we should write a song about this, you know. So that's sometimes how it works. You know, sometimes there is a precipitating event or something that often there is. Um, But in this case, there wasn't really one particular thing. Okay. Okay. So talk about what inspired you to start down the road to becoming a musician. I believe it goes back to graduating from listening to Carole King to Led Zeppelin and leaving the piano behind in favor of the guitar. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, You know, when I was about 12 or 13 years old, I was introduced uh, to the music of Led Zeppelin. Um, Didn't hurt that it was a cute boy who introduced (laughs) it to me. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I was really entranced by the music and the guitar. And I just thought it was so cool and so much cooler than what I was trying to play on the piano. And and I wasn't very, you know, I'm, I'm okay at the piano. I can, you know, record real basic parts and stuff like that. And it helped me learn music theory, but I was never good, like by any kind of real standards. So when I switched to guitar, it was just, it was just more my thing. And and I just loved it. So kind of took off from there. I got my mom's permission to switch from piano lessons to guitar lessons. And, and I was off to the races. And when did you actually start songwriting? Oh, not till much, much, much later. Mm. You know, when I was, yeah, when I was a teenager, I didn't even think about how songs were created. Mm. I just listened to music and I, and I, I kind of just thought about playing and performing and singing. And I did sing, you know, for my whole life. I've been a singer. And, um, but I didn't even think about where the songs actually came from. And I never thought that I could write. Never, it never even crossed my mind until after I moved to Los Angeles and really my goal originally when I was young was just to be like Jimmy Page, to be a guitar player, lead Ah. guitar player. Um, And then I moved to Los Angeles and a lot of things changed and evolved. And I became a singer songwriter who happens to play lead guitar. Um, But yeah, it's kind of a long and winding journey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a whole rush of follow-up questions that are coming into my mind now. So let me see if I can keep up with them all. So moving to Los Angeles, where did you move from? When did you move? Was it just for music that you moved to Los Angeles? Answer those and then I'll try to come up with more. (laughs) 
Sure. Well, so I was uh, I was a really good student. I was kind of a good girl, you know, and um, I was good in school. And even though I went to every single heavy metal concert that came through town <laughs> when I was in high school, um, it was always assumed that I would go to college. And music was never viewed as a real career possibility in my family that mm. just wasn't a thing and it was you go to college and that's that so when i was looking at colleges um it, it you know guns and roses first record had you know appetite for destruction <laughs> had just come out and i was like okay well my favorite bands are in la and england but i wasn't really thinking i would go to england for, for college so i'm like okay well maybe i'll just go to school in los angeles uh. i wasn't brave enough at the time to actually pursue a career in music, but I'm like, well, I'll be a music major and I'll be in Los Angeles and I'll get to go to all these shows and, you know, I'll have my guitars with me. And so that's how I moved to Los Angeles. I moved here when I was 17 from because where? Guns N' Roses was here from the Bay Area. Um, I grew up in New York and then when I was 12, my family moved to the East Bay, uh, you know, near Berkeley, California. Ah, uh, Okay. Okay. I laugh when people say the Bay Area because I think, well, I live in Tampa Bay. Isn't this the Bay Area? Right. So there's so many Bay Areas. There's, there are so many. There's the South Bay, there's the East Bay, there's even in just the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, then yeah, let's San circle Francisco. back around to you talking about that you were actually taking piano lessons and then you got your mom to allow you to take guitar lessons because I like to talk about people who are just discovering you for the first time, there are going to be Ali Handel fans who listen to this interview because they listen to all the interviews that you do. But for those just being introduced to you for the first time, when you go into the studio to record, when they go see you perform live somewhere, do you play the piano or is it a case of, I can use it for writing, but I'd rather defer to the experts to do it live and or on my recordings? Live, I don't play piano uh because really my the only piano I play these days is very rudimentary stuff in the studio where like if it needs like some sort of bed sound or or something that I can do on the keyboard that's great I also have an uh, just amazing friends who are real great keyboard players who I hire for to play real you know vintage key parts and organ parts and stuff like that um but if it's something real simple and I know what I want I'll just go and do it because I'm pretty particular with voicings uh. um so but I don't ever play it live also because it is such a pain to you know either carry a, key, a keyboard is much more <laughs> pain than bringing an extra guitar and, and I'm just not as, as comfortable but you know I, I have thought about it be it would be fun to do you know a song or two on keys but you know it just takes a little bit more logistical planning and um there's a lot of logistical planning in my life already so i haven't really taken that that on yet <laughs> so before we get too far away from it you were talking about who you listened to when you were young so People who are regular listeners of this show know that my all-time favorite band is Rush, and thus my all-time favorite guitar player is Alex Lifeson. So who were some of your guitar heroes as you were growing up? Oh, well, I mean, Jimmy Page was kind of the be-all, end-all for me. Um, but I I listened to Metallica, although I wouldn't say like Kirk Hammett was one of my favorite guitar players, but I definitely admired him. And the first guitar solo I actually learned note for note was from the song Fade to Black by Metallica. Oh. So it was it was a little bit it wasn't quite as 
blazingly fast, um, you know, because in high school I wasn't that great of a guitar player. And uh, that, that was what I could do, you know. Um, but I listened, you know, I, I, you know, Slash, I loved Slash, um, Aerosmith, you know, I loved Joe Perry. So kind of those blues rock guitar players okay. were kind of forming, you know. Gotcha, me, gotcha. So. Yeah, and on that mm-hmm. note, I in the intro, I teased the fact that you belong to an all-female Aerosmith cover band, which, folks, by the way, is called Ragdolls and features Allie as the lead guitarist. When did you start doing that, and how did you get that opportunity? Yeah, well, so this band started, we started forming in 2019, just a few months before the pandemic hit, actually. Um, so, like, in November uh, 2019 and um, I I had been referred to the singer Susie um, from my friend Janet Robin who is an incredible guitar player and um, Susie had asked Janet if she was interested in doing this tribute to Aerosmith and Janet was really busy and she's like no but you should check out my friend Allie and actually Janet has you know I always I always tell musicians who if anybody ever asks for advice, you know, I get more gigs, gig opportunities from fellow musicians at my level than I do from, you know, other people who you would, you know, think that you should be asking yeah. like, promoters or other, you know, it's just like my friends have been a bigger source of gigs anyway. <laughs> so she's like, okay, well, why don't you, you know, ask Allie. So Susie sent me an email. I was actually on vacation and at the time and I really didn't have time to do anything else in my life because I just have so many different projects. But when I saw the email, I was like, well, if I were to do this, it would force me to bring my guitar playing to this whole new level. Ah. Um, and, and three years later, it, it absolutely did. Like, you know, I, I just, so for this, you know, we kind of, we make a distinction between a cover band and a tribute band and we consider ourselves a tribute in that, you know, I spent probably thousands of hours learning all of those guitar parts and guitar solos mm. note for note, like slowing things down on YouTube to like a quarter of a speed. Wow. And, and also, you know, nowadays there's tab, which is really helpful when it's correct, which I would say <laughs> it's about 85% correct, which is pretty good. But to get things like really note for note, um, it just, I don't know, for some reason I really enjoyed that process. Um, so it, it, and you know, and I wasn't at first, you know, a fast enough player. I wasn't as precise and it just the real, you know, the, the stress and pressure of having gigs where I was going to have to get up in front of people and, and play this, these songs and iconic solos where people, you know, the diehard fans would know if I was doing it right or not. And I would know. So that was a lot of pressure, but it it really helped me to get to where I really wanted to go, which is to be able to play this stuff, you know, relatively easily. Um, and that was somewhere I definitely was not, um, and, you know, when I started. Yeah, I like that answer because it takes it kind of deeper than people expect to hear. And the fact that you said it allowed me to take my guitar playing to a whole nother level. I don't think that's kind of what people envision when they hear someone talk about an opportunity like that that came their way. So that's really good insight. It's a good teaching moment in terms of other things that you can look for if you are an aspiring performer and someone contacts you with an opportunity like that. And folks, by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't refer you all the way back 
to episode 169 of the show with my friend Buck Johnson. He is the keyboard player for yes, Aerosmith. Buck. Yeah, he's so great. He's so great. I will put a link on the show page for Allie's episode on nhte.net to my interview with Buck Johnson so you can go back and hear the two of us having talked. And it also reminds me of episode 371 with Shane Martin. And I loved that Allie just made the distinction between a tribute band and a cover band. And Shane talked about that. He has a tribute band that does music of the legendary band Alabama. Ah. And so I'll give you a link to go back and listen to that one as well. But that's a very important and a good distinction. So thank you for clarifying that, Allie. Oh, sure. You have so many upcoming dates touring with Ragdolls from now until September. And I'm sure you'd love to book more solo Allie Handel shows, if not an entire tour. But I would think it has to be a case of, yes, I want more solo shows, but it's hard to get them when my calendar keeps getting Ragdoll shows added to it. How do you navigate that both mentally as well as logistically? Oh, I'm still trying to figure it out mentally. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, it's been, it's been interesting. I mean, because the band started right, I mean, our first gig was supposed to be March, like, 27th or something like that 2020 so yeah so you know so we got started in this really weird time as well as you know I'm just finishing up recording my fifth record right now and you know that's my number one priority with my original music before touring um but yeah it's been really interesting trying to navigate that um but the reality is what I'm probably going to be doing is planning a short tour hopefully opening for uh, i'm kind of in talks right now with a few people so there's nothing there's nothing to report yet but looking to book maybe a two-week tour opening for one of my guitar heroes you know with my own music and and doing a full band tour but was challenging when you know i've been touring with my own music for like 20 years but most of the time just to keep costs down i've done it solo acoustically Mm. you know which is fine but it doesn't at all allow me to showcase what i can do as a lead guitar player Mm. and it's not as fun you know the show wise i I much prefer playing loud rock and roll with a full band you know (laughs) i I, you know I, i definitely enjoy solo acoustic stuff but i've been doing it for a really long time so i'm really you know not looking to book a whole bunch of uh, you know, solo acoustic shows the way I used to do. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I will do, you know, so when I do take gigs for myself, there's very particular reasons to do it. Like showcasing at the NAMM show with my full band, that was really fun. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's something that's, you know, a little bit, you know, I see it as a musician. I see that as an honor. And so I I like to do, you know, those showcases at NAMM or, or opening for an artist that I've admired for a long time. I'm doing that later this year when I'm opening for Susan Werner, who is an incredible singer-songwriter. And, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, if I'm going to be going out on the road, you know, I am I am an independent artist. So when I bring anybody on the road with me, I'm paying them. So it gets yeah. to be very expensive very quickly. So I have to be very choosy. <laughs> yeah, understandable. And what I want the audience, whether you're just a general music fan or whether you are an aspiring performer yourself, what I want the audience to understand here is the potential arm wrestling, right, that Allie has to do because in the second half of the show, you're going to hear me ask about the album that she's working on right now. And obviously, when an artist releases a new album, what do they want to do to promote it? They want to go out on tour. 
But if Allie decides, yeah, I want to invest in going out on tour and bringing a band with me to promote that, well, what if the ragdolls say, well, we have all these dates, so that's kind of, I want you to understand, that's some of the battle that has to be fought behind the scenes that you probably don't think about in terms of, I really want to promote my new album, but I also don't want to jeopardize a good thing that I already have going. So it's just one of the newest teaching moments. I'm trying to present as many of them as I can week after week here on Now Here That's Entertainment. In fact, in a few minutes, Allie, I'll be giving out your website address and your other online destinations. And when people do land on your website, they will see a section called Backstage, which is something I'd love for you to talk about because for anyone listening who is an aspiring performer, I think this is a great teaching moment in terms of audience building and fan engagement as opposed to just thinking that social media is the one and only solution for accomplishing that in 2023. Yeah, yeah, that has really been an amazing experience for me. And it's something I started in 2019, um, a few months before uh, I heard about Ragdolls. So, it, you know, I've always been very active in building my audience online. I've had much more success with that than in some other areas. So when I learned about, you know, there was a lot of people and there's still a lot of people who have Patreon, which is, you know, it's kind of a similar idea. It's basically an online fan club, but with Patreon um, at this point, I think if you, if you're new to Patreon, Patreon itself takes 12% of the money that Mm. you earn from your fans. Um, So I decided to do a little bit of research into kind of online marketing and, you know, fan clubs and memberships because memberships are huge throughout all commerce now, you know, and there's so many people doing it, even if you're not on Patreon. And um, so I just set it up kind of independently of Patreon. And I had, I now have two different levels. I started it with just, just one group of people. Um, And um, I just basically give them much more access to me and everything that I'm doing. They get early, you know, uh, songs that I've finished in the studio but haven't released yet. They get, I just uploaded something to our private Facebook group this morning, which was a little clip of me in the studio recording a guitar two nights ago, you know, something I'll probably not ever make public. Mm. Um, and throughout the pandemic, I did a lot of video recording, uh, recording songs like cover songs and stuff like that, that I only released to them. And just now, a couple of years later, I'm starting to make some of those public. So yeah, it's I just like a it. way that, you know, and a lot of people, yeah, it's, it's real interesting. We do like a, a monthly Zoom hangout, which is really fun because wow. then I actually get to see people and talk to them and they can ask me questions and I can ask them questions and, you know, they can see me in my lady loft, which is where I'm talking to you from right now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, meet the cats, you know, all, all the good stuff. Um, but it's really, it's just, it's really fun. It's a nice way to stay connected. And, you know, I think for fans, it's just a way that they know that they're supporting you. And it's interesting because I have, you know, so many more people who are involved or who, who are just supporting than who say show up at the Zooms or show up on the Facebook group. They just want, just want to support, which I know is really hard. I think for a lot of artists to even fathom. You know, like you're paying for something. Why are you not even, you know, participating? <laughs> but but then, you know, but they just they want to show support and they know that, you know, as an independent artist, they know it's it's real valuable. Well, I love the exclusivity of everything that you're describing. And there's also something to be said for the geographic 
limitations, right? If Allie's not going to go tour in Sweden, if she's not going to go tour in Finland, if she's not going to go tour and the list goes on, those people can still feel connected to her by getting on Zoom with her or by seeing all this behind the scenes stuff that she provides. And then sure, yes, okay, I'm obligated by podcast law to put on my business hat and say, and then she does build her audience over there. And when she is ready to go to Sweden, they're waiting for her. And when she's ready to go to, sure. But that part aside, it's the fact (laughs) that those people can't get all the way to California, or maybe you can't get all the way there, even if you're performing in Texas. And like I say, they're located somewhere in Asia. They can't get to Texas. So I love everything that you're providing for them, Allie. And yes, I love that you're saying, why should I give 12% of it to Patreon? Yeah, I mean, they don't need it. (laughs) (laughs) They they definitely don't need it. I mean, I have nothing against them personally. It's just trying to be smart. Yeah, we all have bills to pay. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of your website, there is a Guitars for Vets ambassador logo on there. Can you explain what that is and and what being an ambassador entails? Yeah, I'm... Guitars for Vets is an incredible charity. um, And I just randomly met the founder, one of the founders, Patrick, um, at NAM many years ago, mm. we were just both perusing the, I think, Levy's Leathers guitar straps. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I think, I think Levy's was helping them out as well. But, um, but we just started talking and he learned that I was a musician and he was building their roster of, um, ambassadors. And, um, you know, basically they help to support veterans and how they do it is it's through teaching guitar and having community music lessons. So it's not only about teaching the actual music, but it's about people getting together and talking. And I think that's one of the very healing parts of it. And there are chapters all over the U.S. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just a wonderful organization, really great people. I know that Yamaha was also quite involved with um, donating guitars. So I, I believe it's a 12 week program. Um, and once the student finishes the guitar program, they get a free guitar. Wow. So it's just, it's really neat. It's really neat. And, wow. um, I just love the people involved and, um, they're doing really good work. Yeah. Good stuff. So good one stuff. of, one of many, many wonderful charities out there that are music related. I mean, I, I, that's one of the things I just, love about the community it's just most musicians are just they just want to help people yeah, you know no and they doubt. just want to spread love <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. doubt. no doubt i'm joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from the greater los angeles area by singer songwriter guitar player ali handel visit her official website at alihandel.com i will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website nhte.net on her website, look for the Listen section where you can listen to Allie's original music or link over to her Spotify. Do also check out the Shop section of AllieHandle.com for some of the merchandise that is for sale, including CDs, or of course you can purchase her original music through the likes of Apple Music and other online digital music retailers. And of course, look for the social media icons on Allie's website to follow her on Facebook and Twitter. 
You can also find her on Instagram and TikTok via at Music. Subscribe to her YouTube channel as well and watch the various videos she has on there. Stay with us because in the second half of this episode, among other topics, you're going to hear her talk about the new album she has coming out later this year, as well as the book that she wrote. And you did just hear us talk about Backstage, which is the exclusive section of her website that I encourage you to look for as well. By the way, I do recognize that not everyone who listens to this show is a musician, a recording artist, a performer themselves. But regardless of what career you are pursuing, you are always looking to make new connections, right? Whether it's customers, clients, or contacts that can help you get connected with new opportunities. I am here to tell you that I have had firsthand success with meeting new people along those lines thanks to the OWL app. Now, let me stop here and say that this is not a sponsor. They're not paying me to talk about them. I just want to help you get ahead in whatever it is that you are doing. There is such a wide range of people on there that you can call. Instead of waiting for someone to hopefully accept your connection request on LinkedIn and or wondering if they'll answer the private message you send them on LinkedIn, call whoever you see that you want to talk to on the OWL app right there without anyone needing each other's phone number, which means you do still maintain that element of privacy. You'll be amazed at the experts, the influencers that you can actually talk to on there. And of course, you can call me through there too. The app is free to download. I have instructions, links to get it from the App Store or Google Play. And I have the invitation code, which is a required field when you're setting it up on your phone. And an article on my podcast website, nhte.net. Tap or click anywhere that it says home on nhte.net. And then dig into the article I'm referring to, whose headline is Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. Allie, you co-founded Triple Scoop Music. Tell the audience what that company is and your role with that. Yeah, um, it's a music licensing company. And um, we found, gosh, God, when did we I've co-founded it, gosh, I think it was in 2006. Wow. And um, yeah, at the very infancy of, well, this particular type of licensing for music. So it was shortly after I released my second record. Um, And, you know, being an independent artist and a singer songwriter, I had a community of other independent artists and we were all doing our best to try to make our way, you know, and, and have a career without the support of any major labels. And what I realized very early on, actually with the release of my first record, is that I could earn more money licensing my music to television shows than I could to, you know, by touring and um, selling, you know, CDs independently, CDs at the time, right? And um, so I had two other friends and we were all quite successful in getting our music into TV and some feature films and things like that. And, um, but we were thinking we could do more. And so we put our heads together and would meet at, you know, Starbucks every week for like a year <laughs> trying to think, you know, what can we do in this area of music licensing to like earn money? And, you know, and I ended up kind of by a fluke. My oldest friend from childhood was a professional photographer and she invited me to perform at uh, one of these big photography conventions for professional photographers and wedding photographers and portrait photographers. And Mm. I was like, okay, that's great. And she's like, oh, and you can sell your music too afterwards. I'm like, 
what do you mean sell my music? Why would photographers want to have, <laughs> hear my music? And she's like, oh, they put together slideshows. This is just kind of when, you know, online uh, video sharing, you know, was just kind of uh. getting really popular. And a lot of these photographers needed, you know, they were starting to share their work online, wow. you know, not only to just show people, but also to advertise what they could do. And I ended up coming home from this, you know, this uh, convention and calling my business partner. And I was just like, oh my God, there's a whole, you know, huge group of people out there who need music, you know, and we had, we'd seen that kind of the TV and film areas of licensing, the money was going down and down and down uh, because more and more independent artists were, you know, kind of catching on and bombarding music supervisors with their music and, you know, <laughs> kind of the law of supply and demand, you know, uh, you know, the, the licensing fees were getting lower and lower. So we we're trying to figure out, you know, where's the new market anyway, found all these creative people in the form of photographers and videographers, mm. and there was really nobody catering to them. So we just, you know, we formed our company with that particular focus at that time so and then cool. expanded from there. So cool. Yeah. And so we started just with our music and the music of our friends and friends of friends, um, which included some pretty spectacular musicians and kind of grew from there. So, you know, I'm still, you know, still one of the founders and that's kind of my quote unquote day job that I can do from anywhere in the world, which is kind of nice. <laughs> um, and, you know, it helps to support me in doing everything I want to do with my music. Okay, now set the record straight, though, before people listen to this and you get inundated with emails. Yeah. So are you open for business <laughs> that if a musician is listening to this, an artist, and they have music and they want to contact you to try to see about placements they can? Or is it no, Bruce? It's like I said, it's just me and friends of friends. Um, It's... It's somewhere in the middle. I mean, right now we're not accepting new submissions okay. and generally we reach out to people that we find. Also, it's very it's it's very different uh, being a performing artist versus a recording artist. So, the you know, the music that licenses and it's also very different now than it was 16 years ago. Yeah. The standards are incredibly high now you need to be able to produce music to the level where it sounds like it could be on the radio because it does compete directly with major label music. So it just can't be anything less than that quality wise, um, which is why generally we're seeking people out on our own as opposed to um, needing to sift through a lot of submissions. Well, yeah. And if you think about it, you know, American Airlines, Holiday Inn, Domino's, they're not going to use a song that someone recorded in their home studio that they say, it's a great song though. Well, the quality isn't, you know, Hollywood is not going to accept a song like that. So you have to be at the absolute top of your game production wise, never mind songwriting and just everything that goes into it. Shifting projects here, I mentioned back in the intro that you submitted to the Tiny Desk Contest recently. Explain to the audience what that is for those that aren't aware, and then just talk about your experience going through that. Yeah, well, you know, your experience... So so the NPR Tiny Desk Contest is this contest that they've been having for many years now, um, and it's open to... I believe it's only to American performers, Um 
but anybody can record a video of one of their songs and submit it. And tastemakers from NPR and, and other associates of theirs, I guess, uh, look through these, you know, for I guess it's a couple of months. They're not quite finished with the judging process yet. They haven't announced a winner. Um, but it's it's a really nice opportunity for exposure if they pick you as, you know, one of the winners or, you know, runner up or something like that. And um, it's just a wonderful way to be seen you know, by tastemakers in the music industry. And I thought it would be really fun to do cut an almost acapella, a very vocal heavy version of the title track from my upcoming record, which is called Slow Burn. And so for for this, I ended up hiring, I think, four background vocalists plus myself um, singing. So there were five people singing. And um, I constructed all the vocal harmonies um, I really, I'm a big fan of really tight harmonies, like seconds, you know, like I, if someone's a musician out there, then you'll know what I mean by that. If not, it just, it just means really close harmonies, kind of like Prince, uh, Prince harmonies. I just, I just love those. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, you know, I got it together. We got together for one day and rehearsed everything and then filmed it that day and um, edited it and put it up there so it's on youtube and i actually loved the i was in the middle of recording that song as well we're almost finished recording it and um i ended up just this week adding some of those harmonies that i devised for the tiny desk contest video adding it to my official version because once i did that that video i was like oh i love those harmonies so much i need to have them right in the beginning of the song on on the record so it actually did influence, you know, it's kind of part of the production process for the record, kind of by a little side, you know, way. <laughs> well, and to add to that, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that one of the requirements to enter the contest is that there has to be a desk in the video, yes? Right. That is correct. That's right. And I went on Amazon and found this little teeny like dollhouse desk, <laughs> and I put it on top of another desk. And I also, so I'm kind of like... A, I like to say I'm a crazy cat lady in waiting, although I'm not really. I have four cats. And my husband and I have four cats, and I like to say it's not all my fault, I, you know, that we have four, but I do enjoy having them. So we have – so, I, you know, I, for the video, I put all these, like, little kitty cat lights up, and it just kind of made it – it was very vibey. My rehearsal studio, it's a really nice vibey place, and that's where we recorded it. Um, so the – I just like the way it looks. So I was like, oh, we got to get a little, you know, a cute little dollhouse desk and the <laughs> kitty cats. And I bought all these like little, um, you know, the fake uh, candles that are battery operated and they're like all over oh, the yeah. place. <laughs> and it's just a nice little little vibe. So while we're talking about videos, you're doing some neat things on your YouTube channel. Everything from the traditional expected kind of videos to the guitar therapy sessions to a try this series to ask Allie anything plus up in the banner on there. It even says win prizes monthly giveaway with over 8,200 subscribers on your channel. And as I mentioned in the intro, a combined total of more than 1.2 million video views. Clearly you've put an emphasis on that platform. If you could talk about all of that, please. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I feel like I haven't put enough of an emphasis on that platform, mm. but that I probably will be doing more so going forward, especially because I'm not touring as much as other artists generally do. 
Um, I, I feel like video enables me to reach so many more people in all areas of the world, even if I can't get out there right away. Um, and I want to focus on it even more. Um, I think it's really powerful. Well, you know, I admire you because <laughs> for all that you're doing and to say, gee, I think I need to place more of a priority on it, I think you're doing wonderfully. I just recently reached a whopping 100 subscribers on the Watch NHT YouTube channel, and I celebrated that because I openly told people I'm not a YouTuber. Yeah. So as much as, yeah, sure, I'd love for people to go look what I put on there, I'm not trying to do stuff on the regular, as they say. And I look at someone like you, and I go, wow, well, this is clearly someone who is making sure that they're doing a lot on YouTube. So to hear you say, I plan to do even more, my hat's off to you because I do have to ask, are you someone that's really hands-on with all the content that gets created or is it, oh no, Bruce, I stand there and I sing and someone else handles all the production for me? Um, It used to be, I used to be more hands-on and I've been actively really trying to be as hands-off as humanly possible Mm. um, because I don't enjoy the technical side Uh. of it. Really, I don't really enjoy the technical side of anything, (laughs) but I do (laughs) uh, engage in it when I need to. Um, But uh, that is that, you know, that is one of the beauties of of having a quote unquote day job is that I can hire a team, you know, to help me. And so I do have people who help me with some of my online stuff as well as the video production. Like I'll shoot the videos like I'll. I'll be in the studio by myself and I'll set up the ring light and my phone and just oh, shoot see. something. But then I'll send it to somebody to edit it, you know, and put it up on YouTube. And my, my assistant, Alex, is wonderful. And he adds all this cute little, you know, animation and, and stuff like that to my videos. And I'm very grateful to have help because that is not really my happy place, you know, <laughs> <laughs> videos. Is, and I hate to watch myself like, I hate it. And just getting, you know, shooting things is not as much of a challenge, but then getting myself to watch it and get to the point where I send it to him, Mm. you know, where I'm, you know, like just getting myself to watch it. It's like once I'm watching it, I'm actually pretty okay about it, you know, and if I don't like something, it's a good learning opportunity. And it's really important to do as a performer to watch video of yourself performing so that you can improve. But just getting myself to sit down and do it, I have so much resistance to it, and I <laughs> procrastinate like crazy. So, so that's you know that's just uh, one of the one of the challenges that I've kind of faced. But I know I'm not alone because a lot of my friends feel the same way. We're just like I do not want to watch myself. Well, or similarly, you know, you and I are in the same boat in that I look at it as all I see is how much work is involved and. There's three people Mm -hmm. here, me, myself, and I, (laughs) you know, I don't have the time. (laughs) And this is not, by the way, audience, this is not an invitation for all of you video editors to contact me and say, hire me, I'll do it for you because I'm not looking to pay anybody to do video editing for me. I already have somebody that if I was able to, I know who I would give it to. But that's kind of what I look at is I'm such a perfectionist that when I do create a video for Mm -hmm. YouTube, it takes me forever and a day, A, to find the time to do it, but B, because I'm such a stickler and I want everything to be perfect. And people around me have said, that's way too much pressure that you're putting on yourself. Like, Just create stuff, put it up there, and people will forgive you if it doesn't look like Hollywood. But it, you know, old habits die hard. And so I kind of create stuff when I have the time or when I think it's newsworthy. And I, folks, I do encourage you look at the YouTube channel at watch NHT. There's no E at the end. Cause I do unboxing videos of a lot of the 
products that companies send me for podcasting and things of that nature. I've got a video up there from last year's NAM show. I have a video up there from the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival that I was at last October. So there's there's good there's stuff there. It's not that there's nothing there. I just don't pretend to be a YouTuber. I want to switch to a different medium though because Allie wrote a book called Guitar for Girls. And so Allie, what I'd like you to talk about is other than the obvious what the book is about, when did you publish it? Are there others maybe in the works? You know, what prompted you to put that out? Okay. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, set the record straight here. First of all, um, it's, I didn't publish it. It was uh, published by Hal Leonard, uh, which is wow. really the only reason I wow. did a book called Guitar for Girls. I personally, I would never call a book Guitar for Girls because mm. I don't believe there's one kind of guitar for girls and mm. another kind of guitar for anybody else. Interesting. Um, but when they contacted me, you know, the reason I did it is because they contacted me and they said, we have a book called Guitar for Girls that we need somebody to write and we're wondering if you'd be the one to write it. Interesting. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> and I had, I had already outlined a whole book about guitar for aspiring singer-songwriters. Ah. So for me, I put all, you know, all the advice. And I did, I did skew it to a female audience because that is what they wanted mm-hmm. um, when, when they hired me to do it. But so basically, and I'm very, very proud of the book, even though the title does make me wince, honestly. Mm. You know, I I just, I, you know, as, as a staunch feminist and as somebody who grew up wanting to just be seen as a guitar player, not a girl guitar player, and, and someone who has encountered, you know, her fair amount of, you know, oh, what kind of strings does your boyfriend play when I walk into Guitar Center? Not anymore, Uh, but, you know, uh, I really, the whole, like, Guitar for Girls makes me, uh, whatever. But it was a wonderful opportunity, and Hal Leonard is a wonderful company. So, you know, I said, yes, I'll I'll do it. And I what I did make sure that I would, you know, include... I, they gave me the opportunity to include four complete songs as well as song snippets from many, many, many artists. Um, all of the artists in the book are women and um, all but one song were written by, were, they were all written by women as well, except for um, the first song. Um, it was really hard for me to find a song that only had one or two chords in it written by a woman. So, <laughs> so I, I ended up having to compromise on that one little thing. But I also included all of the psychological advice that I wish someone had told mm. me when I was young because I had so many things, including perfectionism, which is one of the most deadly vices, I will say, uh, or characteristics you can have as a musician or anybody creative, perfectionism is absolutely crippling. And I consider myself a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) but I included as much, you know, and and working on it, you know, but, and what you said about the creating the videos, I can a hundred percent relate to, by the way. Um, But, you know, including as much psychological advice as I could, I quit playing guitar three times as a teenager and in my twenties because I sucked and I couldn't, I didn't, understand that you need to just keep playing and keep playing and keep playing uh, even though you suck you the only way to get get better is to 
you have to hear yourself suck, which is very painful if you're a perfectionist <laughs> and you know what you want to sound like. It's very painful, but you've got to do it. Otherwise, you'll never get past it. And, you know, I, I just didn't have anybody in my life, you know, until I was older and surrounded by musicians who were experienced who could tell me, hey, you know, you do. You have to be willing to suck and, and then you'll get good. And, mm. and that was a revelation to me. So I tried to include advice like that to help encourage young girls or anybody starting out on guitar. Yeah. I like it to help them avoid some of the pitfalls that I, cause I, you know, there's a lot of time that went by where I wasn't playing my guitar because I had so many negative associations with it because mm. I just thought I sucked and I must just not be very good. And it, that wasn't true at all. I mean, it was, it was true that I wasn't good at the time, but it wasn't true that I couldn't be good. Yeah. And... I just didn't know. Look at where Allie got to. And folks, I want you to understand, I said in the intro that she's gotten accolades from the likes of Guitar Player Magazine, American Songwriter Magazine, Guitar World, and Vintage Guitar Magazine. And if you're not familiar with who Hal Leonard is, that's a compliment that they contacted her. A lot of people associate them with sheet music. They're a music publishing and distribution company. But look them up if you're not familiar with Hal Leonard. And that's a huge compliment, just like the others, for them to contact Allie and say, hey, we have this book. Are you the person to do it for us. I've talked a lot and hinted and teased that we're going to talk about the new album. So, Allie, please, you, you have a new album coming out in October. What are you able to share about that project at this time, meaning maybe number of songs, title of the album, where is it being recorded, who's producing it, any of those details now? Sure, yeah. Actually, you can actually hear a lot of it um, because we've released some of the sing- the songs already as singles on Spotify. Um, so there are, uh, in, including brave, which I think you played at the beginning of the show yeah. and shut your mouth and do something. Those are going to be on the new record, even though they're available digitally right now. Um, the record is called slow burn. Um, and that is, you can also hear that song, um, because that's the one that I included for the tiny desk contest. Um, and, uh, it's produced by Seth Atkins Horan, and he is a four-time Grammy Award-winning engineer and producer, and I've, mm. this is the third record that he's produced for me. I absolutely love working with Seth. Um, he is he's, It's kind of the, a, the perfect combination of somebody who I'm now very comfortable with, but also who challenges me still, mm. you know, um, which is really important when you're in the studio and trying to create something. Um, at least it's important for me to have feedback from somebody who's not me. I find <laughs> it really, really helpful. <laughs> and we're looking at an October release. I don't have a release date yet, um, but it's going to depend on a couple of different factors. But we're looking for an October release and um, really, really excited to um, do, you know, we have some special guests that are on the record and uh, looking to do some music videos and just some things that I haven't done before um, as an independent artist. So I'm kind of planning all of it right now and finishing up the recording process in the next couple months. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is it being mixed? Is it being mastered? Are there still songs that have to be recorded? How many songs total will there be? And, and what is the studio where you record? Where Where in California is it? Yeah, so it's in Los Angeles. Um, you know, this process has been years in the making. Literally, uh, we started recording before the pandemic hit. Wow! And then, and that was when Seth had his own studio, 
Um, but during the pandemic, he got hired by Mark Mothersbaugh, who is a founding uh, member of the band Devo, yeah. but is now one of the top film composers in the world. So Seth now, and this is one of the reasons that the record is taking so long to come out. <laughs> Seth has a full-time job uh, working as the lead engineer for Mark Mothersbaugh. So he's been working on all these films and TV shows um, that have come out. And uh, we only get to work together like one night a week after he's mm. done with his work day with Mark. Um, but we record in Mark's studio, which which is where Seth works. And it is so cool. Mm. It's this really weird wow. green building um, down in Hollywood. Yeah. And um, and actually, like the other night, I, I got to use – I mean, I, because we're in that studio and there's a lot of really cool guitars and other instruments there – um, I, I got to use like a really old telly for one of my songs. And just the other night I used this kind of crazy looking acoustic guitar that was tuned with the kind of the Nashville. It's not exactly high strung tuning, but that kind of different kind of tuning than I tune my guitar. So, you know, Seth was like, oh, yeah, there's a guitar in this other room here. Let's go grab it. And let's just, you know, so it's, it's kind of fun that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah. So that's where we've been doing it. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that you and I were supposed to record in person last month when we were both in Anaheim. You actually performed at the NAMM show. How was that, as well as just the event itself in general for you, the trade show? Well, I've been going to NAMM for 100 years, <laughs> which I love. I really love it because I feel like it's like my tribe of people, you know, musicians and fellow creatives, and uh, which is why I always do feel like it's an honor to get to perform at these showcases however i had two showcases in one night which i don't think i will ever attempt to do again <laughs> um, because it was insanity just having two different gigs with different rigs and different pedal boards and making sure everything worked mm. and different guitars fortunately i had an amazing guitar tech working with me and helping me um which is you know it's something that i don't always have the luxury of having but um mm. That is a goal of mine. <laughs> so those were band shows, it sounds like. Those were full band shows for you. Oh, full band. Yeah. And I didn't nice. really have a full band. You know, I had two rehearsals with my original band. And it's, you know, my original band is, you know, I was playing with some people I've, I've played with for years and other people um, just because of scheduling and stuff, like people I'd never played with before. Ah. Um, I was making up new background vocal parts and charting them out. And, Whoa. you know, we had two rehearsals. Which was, you know, for me, especially as a perfectionist and wanting to just kind of be more relaxed about it, you know, re looking back, I'm like, oh, maybe two rehearsals wasn't quite enough <laughs> for a showcase. <laughs> um, but it ended up being great, um, great fun, wonderful audiences. You know, the crowds are finally coming back, you know, because um, I did these showcases last year as well. Um, although not on the same night. So yeah, at like nine, I think I did my full band and then walked across the street and then performed with the Aerosmith tribute ragdolls at Whoa. midnight, which was Whoa. insane. I mean, <laughs> never before had I had that feeling of literally after every single song, the roar of the crowd coming up at us. Cause you know, anybody who is familiar with Nam or even if you're not, what happens is. You know, at the Hilton, it's the the ultimate party night, yeah. uh, the Friday or Saturday night. And we yeah. had kind of the party slot at midnight where everyone is, you know, three sheets to the wind or close <laughs> to it and just ready to rock. Mm -hmm. And we were really loud. We did, a, you know, a full like 
you know, mostly the 70s, you know, hits of Aerosmith and the rock and stuff. So it was really fun. Yeah, there's a lobby bar there for those that aren't familiar with the Hilton Anaheim. And you're required by NAM law to make sure that you're in there. So Allie's, (laughs) I can vouch for what she's saying that anybody and everybody goes in there. I hope you had time to get around, though, and see some of the exhibits and talk to some of the different vendors that were there. A little bit. I mean, honestly, at this point, there's not a lot of gear that like I'm not, I'm not that much of a gearhead. Although being uh, in this Aerosmith, you I'm much more of a gearhead than I ever have been. <laughs> but uh, but honestly, what I really you know going to Nam for years and years, my favorite part is just to running running into friends. Yeah. So you know I didn't really walk the floor until the next day, which ended up being the last day, and um, you know, I, I wasn't as focused on looking at gear as I was just like, oh, who am I going to run into? I and, see. you know, which friends can I see? So um, it just, it, it kind of depends. Uh, but I also, one of the other things I did do, which I absolutely love doing, is I attended um, the She Rocks Awards. Yeah. Which is something that I've been involved with since the very first one I performed at it with um, Orianti, or I opened for Orianti. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did an acoustic set, and then she did um, a set with her band. But that was back when it was a breakfast event, and now it's this beautiful <laughs> full-fledged evening event. And um, it was wonderful this year to go. So that's that's something I really love to do, and I you know get to see a lot of old friends and meet new amazing musicians and you know things like that. So that's, I really like Nam for for those reasons, just like running into people, like for I said, sure. my tribe. For sure, yeah. And in fact, folks, what Allie's referring to, the She Rocks Awards, uh, seven weeks ago on this show, on episode 476, my guest was Shelly Pikin. She is a multi-platinum, two-time Grammy-nominated songwriter, and she was honored at the 11th annual She Rocks Awards that Allie's referring to that took place. I saw her there, and when (laughs) she was going on stage, I gave her a couple guitar lessons back in the day several years ago, and she's like, I'm still using all the stuff that you told me. I'm going to use it right now. (laughs) I was like, yes, go Shelly. (laughs) Yeah, she was a lot of fun to talk to, and folks, I will put a link to her episode also on the episode page for Allie's interview on nhte.net, and you'll see the episode description in here in our conversation, all that she's accomplished over the years. In the meantime, we're going to close today with another one of Allie's original songs, one called Shut Your Mouth and Do Something. Allie, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. Yeah, this song is an old song that, and I basically, I reworked the music. Um, it was some, it was a song that I originally recorded in a completely different way for my album make your move um, which came out in 2010 and i ended up completely rewriting the music and the melody mm. and keeping the lyrics and releasing it a couple a couple years ago although it is going to be on the new record because it's it's not on any of my uh cds and i am planning on doing vinyl for the first time which i'm really ah. excited um yeah but you know it's it's about uh, shut your mouth and do something kind of uh, you know, it's self-explanatory, but it was, it was in response back then. And this is such a long time ago now that I wrote it. Um, Cause it came out in 2010, but I wrote it before then I was working. So it was primarily about, it, there's a, it was kind of about a mix of experiences that I had had, but one of the ones that had been most recent when I was writing that song, 
I was working with a quote unquote manager that first of all, I never met. He contacted me after seeing me performing on TV, <laughs> demonstrating uh -huh. guitar on the price is right. Wow. And he, he was, I guess a little obsessed with female lead guitar players, but he was quote unquote managing me and he kept promising me that he would be doing all these things. And you know, he, and he just never would follow through. And after a while, it was just like, okay, you know, if you're going to actually do something, do it. Just, I don't want to hear anything else about it. Just be quiet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> shut your mouth and do something. You know, often, <laughs> yeah. So like, I would never say to him, shut your mouth and do something. But I would, that, and often my songwriting is like that. Like I'll be, you know, in real life, I will be more polite and appropriate. And in my songs, I will be less polite, more direct and less appropriate <laughs> and less empathic. You know? That's the beauty of so, songwriting, isn't it? My frustrations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Allie, so great to have you on the show. I'm really glad that we were able to do this. Thank you so much for making time to be on Me Now Here This Entertainment. And best of luck with the new album later this year. Thanks so much, Bruce. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitarist, Allie Handel. Do be sure to visit her official website at AllieHandel.com. Again, I will have a link to it on my podcast website, nhte.net. Look for the icons on her site to follow her on Facebook and Twitter. And as I mentioned earlier, look for her as well on Instagram and TikTok, where she is at Allie Handel Music. Of course, check out Allie's official YouTube channel as well. There is a link for that on her website, too. Purchase her original music through the shop section of her website or from Apple Music or stream it through Spotify. You heard her talk about the new album coming out later this year. Keep up with Allie online so you can see the updates that she posts along the way to that project's completion and release. For that matter, tell her you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Allie also talked about her book, Guitar for Girls. You can purchase a signed copy of it in the Signed by Allie portion of the shop section of AllieHandle.com. Or, of course, you can order the book from Amazon, albeit unsigned. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on Now Hear This Entertainment. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Allie and I. And I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you'll see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 483. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song by Allie Handel. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Shut Your Mouth and Do Something. You say you want to make time for me, but tonight you have to work late. You say you want to lose 10 pounds while you butter the bread on your plate. 